I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. I am speaking with Terrell Tarver of TerrellTarverSpeaks.com. You can follow Terrell on Instagram at TTarverSpeaks. Terrell travels the country reminding audiences that laziness and procrastination will abort your success. Terrell, welcome to the show and tell us just a bit more about yourself. Well, Bernard, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me, man, because you're a powerful guy yourself and I appreciate all the work you're doing. Thank so you. kudos to you. A little about myself, you know, I always tell people I'm just a country boy from Alabama. Uh, country in the sense of a small town and, you know, from a country area. I was born and raised on a farm where I got a lot of my values. I was taught a lot of things that carried me out through life that allowed me to build upon and now spread to others. Um, former military, uh, combat veteran, and right now I'm a father of two beautiful daughters and have a lovely wife, Sharika, uh, enjoying life and all that it has to offer. I'm also a youth minister, so I enjoy speaking to kids, you know, and um, inspiring them to do what's right so they can see the results later in life. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. You know, you took the time to highlight your family. I think so many times people see work, the grind, they don't realize that without the support system and without that deeper why, we can quickly get off track. So thank you for taking the time to just remind people that there's so much more than the layer they get to see when you interact with them. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go deep. I like to just uh, highlight the work that you're doing. You know, when I'm having these conversations, I know that there's something in the conversation because I get the feedback from the audience that something you're going to say is going to change someone's life forever, you know, because of your life experiences, you know, your background, your unique story. Now, doing what you love versus doing what you simply tolerate. You know, that's a concept that a lot of people, they can't blend the two. They, they're like, look, I got to work. I have to do life. I have bills. I have responsibilities. When amazing speakers and facilitators like yourself say, no, go do what you love. They're like, uh, but I don't know if that will pay the bills. I don't know. If- <laughs> so, so help us with that, Tara. Yes. Uh, yes. And Bernard, I get a lot of that. You know, they like love every first and 15th. You know, I have the thing called bills I have to pay. And for some reason, they won't come stop coming to my address. And I <laughs> definitely understand that. But uh, Bernard, I learned that love lifts people out of their circumstances Ooh. and tolerance keep people where they are uh, consistently comfortable. Mm. And I think uh, we have to shift ourselves to get out of that uncomfortable state. My father once told me, um, he said, if we do something we love, you know, we never have to work another day in our life. And he farmed his whole life and he's still doing it today. And he do it at a consistent base where he desire. And that was the love. But that love, that passion for what he have, it, it translated over to supply the things that we needed and even some of his wants. Um, the issue is we live with the fear of failure when we mm-hmm. talk about our love. We have that fear of failure. 
And I develop a philosophy that I, I'd rather uh, be a failure at something I love than succeed at something I hate. Oh, wow. Oh, because wow. I, see, I see people uh, come to work at 8 o'clock and at 8.30 they say, oh, I'm ready to go. I simply ask them, Bernard, like, why are you here? Why did you come to work? Like, why do you put yourself through this every day? And secondly, you know, I'm just not that negative Nancy, so I don't have time for it. I got more things to do and progression to deal with in life. But doing what you love will last a lifetime. Uh, but doing something you tolerate will only last until you build a level of tolerance to quit. Mm. And quitting isn't in our vocabulary. So when you're talking about love versus tolerance, there is a fine balance. But you have to allow that thing to translate into what you really want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know people quickly push back on that. And I think even when we see and recognize that light in others as they do what they love, the challenge is, I'd say it's more than 80% still doing what they tolerate. Do you think that at times people just have to hit like stumbling blocks, roadblocks, rock bottom before they, that light bulb goes off and they say, you know what? I only have one life. I might as well step out on faith. I might as well give it a go. I might as well find those things I'm passionate about. I have found out, Bernard, that a lot of people, they have to experience something different before they can do something different. They have to see something different. Mm. And, and sadly, majority of the time, it's that rock bottom. Oh. <laughs> and sadly, it's that. You know, there have been times where I've seen, you know, they were just exposed to something new and big and they went to a higher height. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, when they hit that rock bottom, that's a wake up call to say, you know what, as a human, I wasn't designed to be here on the floor. Uh, God created snakes to crawl on the floor. He gave me two legs to walk tall. So I do believe that rock bottom experience is a big wake up call because I don't slither. I walk. I dominate. Oh, come on. Come on. That was deep. I don't slither. I walk and I walk tall. I love that. That resonated really well with me. Now, one of the things you said that I found powerful, you said, fall in love with the process, eliminate obstacles, gain clarity, set goals, and results will come. Now, many of us, we like random, you know, like we want to get there, but the whole goals piece, you know, the whole process piece, that's the part we have an issue with. (laughs) What would you say to us? So that was birthed, uh, Bernard, from a a failure of mine. I tell you, I was uh, working hard at a goal and I missed the goal. I thought that was the year I would reach that goal. So I came home and I told my wife, I said, babe, I I missed the mark. Uh, She looked at me sternly and said, "Okay, try again. I like, wow. So I teach the process. I preach the process. So I had to revise that for myself. I was like, wow. So Terrell, let's go into this process. And what that process, it reminded me of um, Coach Saban. Because I'm from Alabama and I'm an Alabama fan. So he always talk about the process. So I was like, okay, I got to fall in love with this process. Mm-hmm. And what happened with the process is those players and that staff, they look at the opponent, not the scoreboard. So I had to look at my obstacle, not the win. I had to develop the mindset of total domination. Wow. Play by play, I had wow. to dominate my opponent. That process began to build, and I tell you, Bernard, it's just a fact, because just this month, 
I reached that goal. It was a bar that was set very high. So the process, man, is continually pushing through that thing. Reevaluate to dominate that situation, regardless of what it is. If it's sports, life, religion, health, wherever you are, combat, total domination is the mindset that you have to have when you're talking about the process. So that's how it was birthed. That's where that came from. And that's how I feel about it. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I love the connection you made to your hometown, to Nick Saban, the process. Because the second you said that, I was like, so that explains all the championships. That yes, explains the culture. Yeah. And then I love how you, yeah. you, know, you embodied it like, Bernard, I failed because I wasn't focused on the right thing through the process. Correct. And you said, focused on your opponents, not the scoreboard. For me, I was like, ah, that is so key. <laughs> Because it's yeah. so easy to say, am I up by a point versus yeah. am I beating my opponent to the ball? Am I Correct. controlling the ball? Am I Correct. keeping my opponent from accomplishing what they want to accomplish? I think that's going to translate into some action steps for a lot of people hearing this. Yes, sir. And I, I if I could add this, you know, it's not about the championships. Ooh. Alabama win championships. It's about developing champions Oh wow! for a lineage. You know, it's, it's about a lineage of champions. It's not about a champ, a single championship. Clemson won a championship one, but it wasn't consistent. You know, not to pick on any team, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in life, we can't win that one championship and say we're champions. I won a championship, but I want to be a champion where I can walk around with my ring wow. every day because yeah. that's who I am. Yes. Wow. 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 I love that. I love that, man, because. It's so easy to have that one strong performance. Yes, yes. You know? And as you just expanded on that, I'm like, who cares about the one when you can live as a champion for life? Strong, healthy, happy home, uh, amazing children, you know, amazing community connections, amazing relationships and service to your community, you know, amazing business success and personal success. So I love how you made sure that was clear and separate. Because there's a ton of people who said, oh, I won one as well. Yes, yes. Powerful yes. stuff, man. Powerful yes. stuff. All right. So, Terrell, take us through a time of personal self-doubt, a time you struggled, and walk us through the steps you took to overcome that moment. I was, uh, I told you, you know, born and raised in Alabama. So, I, I joined the military at the age of 17. Mm. I went out to, uh, to basic training, got my initial training, came home on leave. And coming back on leave, you know, I'm happy to be back at home and I see a couple of people from the neighborhood. So I go to the local convenience store and I see this guy. No, he talking to me for a while and, and we conversating. I was like, OK, man, I'll talk to you later. He was like, hey, buy me a beer. I was like, whoa, well, I don't drink. You know, I'm not a drinker. It's just not in my nature. And um, calmly told him, no, you know, no, I can't do that. The guy responded to me and said, oh, you joined the military. You're too good for us. Mm. The doubt that came in my mind from that story, Bernard, was I doubted myself to say, do I act like I'm better than anyone else? But come to find out, it wasn't about what I thought and what it was. It was just a mentality that a select few people have. Yeah. He just wanted something for nothing. Wow. And, and I had to talk to um I call him the wise man, my father. <laughs> I talked to the wise man. Uh, we had several conversations. And finally, this thing came up and, you know, he let me know. He said, Terrell, you know, you can't allow uh, what others feel to stop you from getting to your destiny. 
Oh, wow. Because, because they already think that it's a matter of them verbalizing it. Mm. So the steps to me, overcoming that doubt of, I feel like I'm more than, uh, was to realize who I truly am. Mm-hmm. And I realized that because, you know, I, I grew up and I had a lot of values. I learned a lot of things. And I said, you know what? No, this was instilled in me since birth. Actually, before I was born, this is what I was going to be. So I had a shift in mindset. It's like a click, a switch click, Bernard. And I was like, you know, I am not living up to the full potential that I have. Mm. Once I realized that within myself, I took a self-assessment. I looked in the mirror. I had the ability to self-assess. I said, you know what, Terrell, it's a lot more you can do. It's a lot more you can be because the naysayers will always be here, but you never let that stop you from getting where you go. So my process, it was the process that we talked about earlier. And I had to just realize who I really was, not to be arrogant or cocky, but be confident because a lot of time we get confidence mixed up with cockiness. Mm -hmm. Because you're confident, uh, as me and my daughter says, it's not my fault your brain don't work. You know, it's a little joke we got. <laughs> but um, I had that happen. That's like the most impactful thing. I had many things, but that was more impactful because it questioned me. It questioned mm-hmm. who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one thing I hold dear to myself is uh, integrity, oh, you know, wow. honor, values, you know, wow. courage, leadership, all those values that we had in the military. I hold those dear because they were instilled in me as a child from home. Yep. And it just reinforced that. But. Yeah, that was one time I, I doubted myself. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thanks again for, you know, sharing that. And I love that saying, you know, it's not our fault that your brain doesn't work. Now, <laughs> now Terrell, you're the wise man for some people, just like your father is the wise man for you. And you, as you're speaking to audiences, as you're coaching, at times, people come to you specifically to deal with their self-doubt, starting that new business, their self-doubt. Uh, proposing to get married, their self-doubt, having their first child or buying their first home. And you talked about your process for you, but how do you coach, lead, or when you speak to audiences, help others with their self-doubt? One thing I do, uh, Bernard, is I understand who the person is. Mm -hmm. I'd be quick to listen and slow to speak. Mm -hmm. Definitely let them get everything off or ask all their questions fully. Yeah. I hear them out. And that's one of the um, principles I teach about public speaking. I have to listen to my audience mm-hmm. because it's not about me and my agenda. So uh, first thing I do, I listen to what their true needs are. Yeah. Uh, from there, we navigate into what the core problem or issue is. Uh-huh. 80% of the time, they give their solution while they're talking, but it have to be put in a capacity of what they understand. Yeah, yeah. I take it as a challenge and as a puzzle for the audience, for those people who have these things, these questions. You know, they're looking for clarity, but I reinforce what their belief system is mm. because I can't force them to think, I can't save them. You know, I can't make you think right. a certain way, but If you're traveling a journey, you know, you're journeying down the road and I know that, you know, you should get off on exit 47. I'm going to tell you get off on exit 47. I'm not going to let you go to exit 52 Mm -hmm. where you have to rewrite or recalculate. Yeah. But 
but many times that's what happens. Um, we allow people to go too far where they have to recalculate it uh, and spend too much time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I listen first and I reinforce the values that's instilled in them to grow upon them. And we, and we take it from there. It's a kind of navigation thing where no one size fit all. Right. It's kind of custom to that audience or that person. I love that because we all have good things already in us. And at yeah. times when that doubt creeps in, we stop believing that there's a good uh, fertile soil in there. Yeah. Like you said, we start doubting ourselves. And I love what you said. I'm not going to let you go too far. And yeah. what's powerful about that statement is many times that's how we miss the mark, so to speak. Yeah. Not, yeah, not so. because we couldn't accomplish the goal, but we took it too far. And yeah. you didn't realize that, like you said, that was your exit. Yeah. Oh man, you're right. And right. now you yeah. have to recoup yeah. the time, you know, that you lost doing something else that wasn't fully aligned with your purpose. I, so I really, you know, enjoyed how you broke that down. Now, on your Twitter, and that's T Tarver Speaks. That's T T E T A R V E R S P E A K S. So make sure you're following Terrell on Twitter. So on your Twitter, you have a quote that says, your doubt creates mountains, your actions remove them. Now that resonated deeply with me. And I know you walked us through moments of your personal self-doubt and the steps you used to live in victory. So I want to ask this question, which do you think is worse at times, anxiety or self-doubt? Wow. No, that's a deep one, man. <laughs> that's a deep one. Um, I say it's deep because they both come from your own thoughts. Yeah. I would stick with self-doubt. Okay. The reason I would stick with self-doubt is because you know your limitations. Mm. You know yourself better than those we fool. You know yourself better than your wife, your husband, and some family members. I say that because usually we paint a, a pretty picture. And I believe in marketing. I believe in social media. IT pay the bills for me. Mm-hmm. He can pay the bills for me. I believe in that. But Bernard, we paint a picture to people that's appealing to them. Uh-huh. And we never put out those things that are vulnerable to us. So I'm saying all that just to say self-doubt played that role because it's something that you have the ability to display or change. Mm. It's just a matter of will I have the intestinal fortitude? Will I have the courage to muster up and say, you know what? The route I'm going is not best. Let me change. Come on. The route I'm thinking is not the best thought. The things that I'm doing are not manifesting into what I really want. Yeah. I'm doing this to myself. (laughs) You know, I'm doing all this to myself. It's no situation that causing this problem within my mind or or within, you know, making anything come into fruition. But again, self-doubt is what I would stick with, Bernard, because it's inflicted upon oneself. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love how clear you made that because without knowing it, we can spend so much time not moving forward because of our self-doubt. Yes. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I can't accomplish it on time? What if I don't graduate on time? Yeah. Yeah. You know, self-doubt and it married to self-worth. They're buttoned together. 
because you hit it, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What made you think you wasn't good enough? What example are you following to say you're not good enough? Why are you the standard? Yeah. Create the standard. Don't follow someone who you really don't know their full story. And I'm not going to get too deep. I'm not going to preach, but I'm going to tell you, uh, I used to think if I was like this person, I would be great. But I look at the most powerful being and example that I could be, and I align myself with that. Mm -hmm. I'm measuring up to that standard, and every day I try to strive to get there, and that helps. That would definitely help you with your self-worth because many of us feel like we don't deserve it. Well, I don't deserve a six-figure job. I don't deserve a Bentley. Why should I have a helicopter? Why should I have a nice home? Should always be in the struggle. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. You wasn't created for that. You was created to go through this process to get there. And while you're going through that, you're going to learn many things that are going to allow you to help others and pull along with you. Yeah. When you said self-worth, that clicked in my mind. I was like, wow. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And thanks for taking the time to, to help flush that out. Because when people can see their self-doubt tied to their self-worth, they can start doing the work to yes. build on yes. who they see themselves as, what they see themselves accomplishing, and truly live the life aligned to purpose. And I think that is so important in the work that you do on teaching and training audiences on their self-doubt. Because it's a difference between a business expanding, a business owner hiring a few more employees because they have this new idea and they're yes. saying, well, we've always done it this way. So yes. we've <laughs> always only had five employees. So, you know, yes. and I love I love that you train so deeply on self-doubt in your speaking and, and, and teaching. Now, I want to pivot just a bit because one of the things you had on your Facebook page, you asked a revealing and challenging question. And I think if people heard this consistently, it would help them get over some of their blocks what is the excuse of the day? That was fascinating for me. You know? so, so I want to start with, like, how did you come up with this concept? And then just take us back to why that was so important to address. Yes. So, Bernard, I, uh, during the morning, I have a routine. You know, I, I get about 5.15, 5.30, go through my routine, mm-hmm. uh, my meditation, my prayers, you know, get dressed for work, going through what I need to get done. And... I was going through what I need to get done, and I got a text message. Uh, this text message said, I won't be in today, have a flat tire. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Flat tires are flat every day all throughout the world. Nothing new. Uh, got to work, person never showed up. Okay. And it just hit me like, you made an effort to make an excuse that early in the morning to not be progressing. So that would birth that what is your excuse today? Like every day you work so hard at creating an excuse when you can reverse that and make yourself productive. Come on. So I just couldn't understand the energy that I put toward that thing. And, you know, I just said, you know, let me turn this camera on. Let me see how it goes. (laughs) And, you know, I went, I turned the camera. If you haven't seen it, you know, it's on my Facebook page. But I tell you, it it was just phenomenal. And the feedback I got from that, you know, I got inboxes and calls 
what is your excuse today? And I looked at many people. That was an isolated situation, but many people do that in life. Mm. From the age of 18 to 80, I hear people making excuses every day. And since that video, I tell you, I've been listening for excuses. You know, and, and what I listen for, but no, I listen for them because I'm like, you know, okay, Terrell, how can you help? How can you reverse this? How can you help them thinking? And many times, if I'm just out in the conversation or the it presents itself where I can interject, I do so. Yeah. And I, I, I just give them a few light words and keep it moving. I don't sit there and give them no 15-minute rah-rah talk. No. <laughs> <laughs> the excuses we make, man, will determine our destination. Ooh. And, you know, and I, I just can't see continually making an excuse and not going where we are destined to be. Oh, wow. I love yeah. that. Wow. And thank you for uh, sharing the backstory on that. Yeah. I, I just really enjoyed it. Again, I just really enjoy how you presented that because you're working to create the excuse. Like you're yeah. thinking and you're yeah. plotting and you're planning. And you're like, yeah. well, you don't have to make an excuse, right? Yeah. Pretty sure you could have called someone for a ride to work. I'm pretty sure you could have, you know, call the tow truck driver and have him deal with the car and you get back on the road. But you yeah. just didn't want to go. Yeah. And the thing is, it go a lot deeper. Like, it tell me who you are within. It tell me what's within. It tell me your heart. It tell me your integrity, your intent. Mm. You know, that tells a lot about you by your excuse. And people don't realize that because this thing called a tongue is a powerful tool. Mm. And what happened, you know, the left and the right side of the brain, they send signals that go down your spinal cord and out your mouth. But are we firing on the right signal so the right thing can come out of our mouth? Yeah. And that's that mental shift we have to have, Bernard. And that will probably eliminate 80, 90 percent of the excuses that we have. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that, man. I love that. Wow. 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 That's powerful. Now, we're going to talk a bit about the Army. You spent nearly a decade serving in the army. Thank you for your service. And let's talk transitions for a moment. And one of the questions I like to ask is one word answer. When I say military transitions, what is your one word? Professional. Oh, wow. Why that <laughs> word? Why that word, Terrell? Because the army is the most elite organization in the world. Come on. And because they are, they create the professionals to make society productive. Mm. Uh, every army veteran that have transitioned out, they were in productive in the military. They're super productive in society. Yeah. Meaning they just don't have those rules and regulations to hold them back. Yeah. You know, they don't have certain limits. And the professionalism I received and the training I received in the army, I tell you, you can't pay for that in a university. Mm -hmm. The camaraderie that you have with a person and a unit and an organization is something that can't be paid for. And it's really hard to explain. You and I understand it. Yeah, and yeah. the audience that's a military and veteran, they definitely understand it more. But the professionalism that a person have to always conduct themselves in a professional manner, regardless mm -hmm. of the situation they find themselves in, yep. is elite. Come on. And I think we get that from our experiences, uh, whether you went to combat, whether you was in special ops, mm -hmm. or whether you just served four years. Yeah. Because we were put in some very unique situation where we had to execute. Yeah. yeah. Failure was never an option. Making an excuse wasn't an option. Come on. And a lot of times, it was for our survival. 
Yeah. You, know, you and I wouldn't have done some things, Bernard. Yeah. You yeah. and I would not be talking today. That's true. So the professionalism and the training that you get when you're in the military translate over into the civilian sector mm-hmm. that make you a cut above the rest. Mm-hmm. You're still you're not arrogant. You're not cocky, but yeah. you're very confident in what you do. Right. Right. Yeah, so that one word professionalism stick out when you're talking about transitioning in the military. Wow, wow. Well said. Amazing. I, thank you for taking the time to remind our audiences, even the, you know, the business leaders who listen into this as well, so they understand that when they consider partnering with a veteran or hiring veterans, that they're on board in a special set of skills that if they allow the opportunity for them to fully transition, It'll be so much better for. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can add this, Bernard, I have a a few clients, high executives that don't care, you know, for people to know that they're being coached. Mm. I understand that. But the feedback I get, you know, from the high level executives, CEOs, COOs, CFOs on just how to deal with and go through everyday challenges coming from a veteran, a military, prior military professional, you know, that have uh, that courage, that know how to pull a team together, that have that expedient core, that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe the level of respect that high level executives have for veterans when they're partnering. Mm-hmm. You know, they value that experience because you coming from a different world where it's truly about your survival. Yep. This civilian that's a CEO. It's about, you know, the company. Yeah. We're thinking survival. We're not thinking, you know, a bottom line. So to see those two come together and partner is a powerful tool. If you look at any company that have partnered with veterans or they're working with the veteran that's sharp, mm-hmm. they excel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not advertising for anyone, but you look at a Lockheed Martin, mm-hmm. the army of civilians, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll just leave that at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was well said. That was well said. Just to continue on the uh, training, the professionalism, you have this picture where you're, you know, you're speaking to the military, and I know that had to be both sweet and a bit bitter. And, you know, you're talking to a group of Marines, and you're reminding them of how important what they're doing is to right now, to the country, but also to their future. Just take us in those conversations when you are speaking and training, you know, our service members? Yes. I had the, I mean, I, that one with the Marines, I love that one. And I often, I'm speaking to all branches of the service, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. The Marines was unique because I've never spoke to Marines. You know, I had this stigma and thought, this preconceived notion that, man, they're Marines. They're like super hard. Like they don't take nothing. But Bernard, I found out that they was open and needed training Mm. on public speaking. Mm. I was like, wow. So, you know, what happened? um, There was a a call out and one of my partners reached out and said, hey, we need your services, your expertise to train the Marines on how to be good public speakers. So, you know, I'm thinking and I, I know a couple of them. So, you know, I do my research for my audience. And what happened there, I gave them a talk about being memorable, Mm. how to be memorable as you're speaking. What will you do 
to make yourself stick out and be memorable as you are speaking as a public speaker. We all have unique faculty. We all have unique things and ways. We all have fears, but what can we do to get these things out to your audience and make it memorable? But when going through there, you know, we went, we took a journey back of how we got here as a nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We took a journey back of how the Marine Corps got to where they are. And then we fast forward to 2018 or 2017 at that time. When we did that, uh, you wouldn't believe how the room lit up. You definitely have to know your history, but people want to know, how can you help me with my problem right now? Mm -hmm. So that supposedly 30 minute talk ended up being an hour and a half because of questions and answers. They were so intrigued because the Marine Corps, just like the Army, they're a group of professionals, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to be better. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not good at this. I want to be better. Yeah. You know, public speaking is not something I do every day. People don't come and teach and coach us about public speaking. Right. Right. And they were trying to get the max out of that. So some of the things I shared with them is to, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Right. You know, don't be afraid to fail because your briefing skills are not going to be like your buddy next door. Don't be afraid because your dialect is not like the person next door. Yeah. Your speech is not like, you know, we went through a whole gamut of things of differences. Another thing I told them to do is do impromptus. Mm. You know, just do an impromptu, uh, your elevator speech. You know, yeah. we started with that and we did a couple on-hand elevator speeches. Um, but I also let them know impromptus get you ready for the unknown. Right. Just like the enemy. Yeah. It's yeah. unknown. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it really yeah. resonated with them very well. So once I saw that, Bernard, you know, the thing that resonated with them, I could go deeper. I can go farther on how am I touching the audience? So that was a great experience. It was, wasn't anything I could rehearse for. Oh, wow. Uh, had some slides, barely used them. Uh, <laughs> but that was, one, that was one of the most powerful teachings and coaches to the Marine Corps that I had in a while because of their desire to want more. Yeah, yeah, That's what made yeah. more impact. Yeah, yeah, they pu- they pulled on your skill set. They pulled on your professionalism yeah. um, because I love what you shared. Yeah, we're not being trained consistently on speaking and in service. You're always in a place to take orders and to give orders to lead. Yeah. So you're always speaking and, and no one's evaluating you on the effectiveness of yeah. how you share. So that's powerful. That's yeah. powerful. It was something I never considered that our service members would need training. But as you were saying, I was like, oh man, we need Terrell everywhere. (laughs) You don't need the polish that comes with the professional side of speaking. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I want to ask this, what does service and serving mean to you today? Serving and service. Serving. I carry that with a high honor. Um, The, prior service that I did, you know, many people say, oh, they just can't let it go. Well, no, it's just a part of me, Mm. you know, serving in the military. That's just a part of my life. It's part of that timeline. So I can't erase it. So I hold it in high honor. And because I hold that in high honor, I maintain those standards, Mm. those standards uh, that were set that I know I can't go backward on. And how I do that, I continue to serve today. And today I serve beside 
all service members. Oh, wow. I'm in a position where I serve with Army, Air Force, yeah. Navy, Marine, Coast Guard. Yeah. And it's a phenomenal thing, Bernard, to continue to see that camaraderie mm. and be a part of it, even as a civilian where I can put my two cents in, mentor and coach uh, where it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't wear a uniform. I don't put myself in their business. I don't show up for formation, but I do where it's needed. I put my input in to mold. And it's really about molding professionals to be better oh, wow. because every branch, they are professionals. And I had to learn that, you know, the military is just not a job. It's a career, mm. you know, and, it, and we should treat this thing like it's a Fortune 500 company. And actually, it's better. I stated earlier, the Army is the most elite organization in the world. I say that, Bernard, because I truly believe that. And I'm sure every branch believes the same. So serving continue every day for me. You know, uh, some things I just don't, you know, I still got an alert roster of people <laughs> in my, my current organization. The mentoring still happening on the weekend. Hey, guys, be safe. You know, the yeah. safety booth you know, and it's not so formatted. It's right. in a way where they can hear what I'm saying. And what's rewarding is when they can recall what you said wow. time later. Yeah. So service is very important because it's top part of that timeline and serving continues with me. Oh, man. Oh, man. I love just seeing your passion and, and your heartbeat for our current service members. It's so easy to mistake the job for what we see in the news. And we don't yeah. see the men, the women, um, some joining as young as 17, like you did, who are willing to learn some new skills and stand in the gap for all of us, all of our freedoms, our freedom to connect like we are today and, yeah. and just enjoy our families and enjoy the things that bring us uh, happiness. And I'm so thankful that you're still right there with them, sharing your experience yeah. with them because I can remember, you know, just having those civilians around who would just remind you that it's, it gets better yeah, when you're like yeah. looking at the orders or you're like a little nervous yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's all right. I deployed. I came back. You'll deploy. You'll come back. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Just, just let you know that it's worth it. So, so thanks again for your continuous service and for you just having a heart to continually serve our troops. I really appreciate that. I am talking with Terrell Tarver of TerrellTarver.com. Head over to his website, T-E-R-R-E-L-L-T-A-R-V-E-R.com. Follow him on social, like his posts, uh, let him know you heard about him on the Veteran Leadership Blog podcast. Terrell, before we close, I love just pulling on the content that we post out there. And one of the things you posted on your website was when you say yes to others, make sure you're not saying no to yourself. Every relationship either pushes you to greatness or drains you. And I just sat with that after I read it. You know, like I'm supposed to be doing research. I, but this thing just had me just sit in there. And I was like, well, I get to ask him this on the show. So break that down for us. Yes, sir. I have the fortune of dealing with a lot of people. And with that, you know, every no relation, no two relationships are created equal. Mm. And I found out through life, just through trial and error, that some things aren't worth you holding on to. Ooh. Ooh. You try your best to help people, help some, 
But some people, they don't want help. Mm. Some people have made up in their mind, this is where they're going to be and they're going to stay there. And I realized that because I was trying to help a young man and out of his mouth, he said, I never said I wanted your help. I was like, wow, you know what? That's a true statement. Who am I to force myself upon you? Who am I to force greatness upon you? So I took a step back. And what happened, I looked on TV one day and I saw this eagle flying over a mountain. And the eagle looked like he was almost at the tip. But at the, you know, at the bottom of the mountain was a mountain goat. And I said, you know what? Everybody can't get that high. The eagle can fly high. He don't even have to climb. The mountain goat have to climb to the top. There's some animals that don't even desire to even climb up the mountain. They want to stay at the base. So I say, you know what? Everyone can't reach that point. Everyone don't desire to reach that point. So why as the eagle am I going to expect this fish to fly? Mm. Mm. Why am I expect this mountain goat to be to the top peak of the mountain when I can just fly up there effortless? Yeah. And that quote came from that because some people will drain you as you're trying to pull them up. Yeah. You know, it, it, you exhort a lot of energy. If you're on the top of a hill or a mountain and you've done obstacle courses, if you're on one side of the obstacle and that person isn't trying to help themselves over, yeah, yeah, you're exhorting a lot of energy that will just drain you. Yeah. And, and it will take every bit of energy out of you. And that's what some people do to us. You know, as we own our journey for entrepreneurship, um, being professional businessmen, uh, we try to help some, but everyone just don't want to be helped. And it was so clear to me. I'm so glad that God sent that sign when that guy said, I didn't say I wanted your help. Yeah. It was crystal clear that everyone don't want our help. Come on. But I can say those who want our help, not only will they try to get up the mountain, they will break nails. They will bust knuckles. Mm-hmm. They will grind. They will low crawl. They will high crawl to get there. Yeah. And when they get there, they will repeat that cycle yeah. to continue to get others there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love how you, you just illustrated that with words. I, I could see the eagle. I could see the mountain goat. And it immediately took me back to something I was taught about hiking. I was told that there is something called a snake line. Hmm. And that on every mountain, and every trail, there's a line that snakes will not go higher than. Okay. You know, because it's just too much strain on their system to be that high up. And it took me back to what you shared earlier that I was made to walk and walk tall, not to slither. (laughs) And on our way up, as you said, there's a line that those who slither just can't cross. And we have to be able to identify what their hesitation is. And as you just broke that down, I was like, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Because as you clearly know, the journey to be professional, walk in your purpose, love your family, live your calling. The truth is, Terrell, and that's why that quote resonated so much. We have to be very discerning about those who are draining yeah. you know, the energy yeah. and the momentum that you've worked all your life to build and maintain. And, right. and you challenged us to not just win a championship, but to live as a champion. And I think what you just shared is going to be a key to how we continuously understand 
that we can overcome our obstacles. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I like that by the snake line. I, I note it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just thought about that when you were describing that. And man, you're very gifted with your words. I saw it all. I saw it all. Very gifted. Now, before we close, Terrell, I'm going to tap into your wisdom one more time. Let me uh, just highlight I'm speaking with Terrell Tarver. Follow him on IG. It's T Tarver Speaks. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. Follow him on Facebook. Head over to his website, terrelltarver.com phenomenal servant leader. I know that you're going to be hearing from him, you know, and you might catch some posts on either his Facebook or his Twitter that just leaves you pausing, you know, for a minute to reflect. But I love people who are not just sharing to share, but who are sharing their heart, Terrell. And that's one of the people that you clearly identify as. So as we close, just take some time to tell people even deeper how to connect with you if they need to be trained or need to bring you in, take some time to let them know how to do that. And then feel free to share if there's books you're reading, you know, things that you're connected to, how do you train? How do you stay so wise and connected and relevant? We'd love to hear it all. Okay. Well, I definitely appreciate that opportunity, um, Bernard. How you connect to me, Bernard, have given you everything, all my contact information. But the biggest way you can connect to me is go out and execute what you desire. Mm. What I mean is don't live a life of wanting. Don't live a life of desiring. Go out and execute. There are some key things I hold valuable to me, which are values, honor, family. But there are some models I live by. And one of them just happened to be my issue. Nike have a model that just do it. And I get that because I was taught as a child, when you come up and you're back against the wall and you don't know how to execute or how to move forward, just do it. Just do what come to you naturally, your natural instinct, because we were created with a certain amount of intestinal fortitude to build upon to always do what's best. Wow. So I said all that to say your life is the most powerful thing God has given you. Hmm. With that life, those years you spend in between time of birth and time of decease, make them great. Yeah. Don't make them good. Make them great. As a matter of fact, as uh, Eric Thomas would say, make them phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, make them phenomenal. Make your life as great as you want. But where a lot of people are in life right now, they need to recalculate Mm. Uh, because they're in a point and they have to recalculate. And I talked about the GPS earlier, but in life, God has placed us in situations or places where we're going to be tested. I want to suggest to you all today to begin to calibrate or recalibrate your life. Calibration will allow you to recenter yourself to get where you want. Wow. And when you plug in a destination in your GPS and you get off route, it simply say recalculating. Mm-hmm. Some of us are off our route. We have to recalculate. It may take a little more time to get to your destination, but you will get there. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, once you're on the way, just like your GPS, it'll tell you it takes 20 more minutes, you'll go 20 minutes slower this way, you'll go five minutes slower, 
or you can get there five minutes faster. What am I saying? Once you're in motion, you have different options of which way you can mm. go. But you have to do something. You just can't sit around and do that same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different results. We know that's insanity. So what we have to do is during this time, you, you have to discover what's important to you. What's my happiness? What's my joy? What bring me peace? We have to realize that life isn't about being happy. It's about inspiring others to get where they need to get. And once you help another, uh, enough people get what they want, it would be reciprocated and you would get what you want. Come on. And don't have that selfish mindset. It's a this for that. Quit pro quo. Why? If you do this, I'll No. As a servant, servant and serving, as a servant, I wait. Meaning, I wait on others. <laughs> and if we can learn to wait on others, I promise you, uh, the law of attraction and God will just reciprocate that thing to you. Yeah. It'll just happen, man. Yeah. But we have to have that patience. You know, we have to have that endurance to withhold all hard time. Oh, wow. So that's what I wanted to leave me with. Bernard, I tell you, it's, uh, recalculating is a beautiful thing. Just to, to shine back on my experience, uh, I didn't meet a mark last year this time. But because I recalculated, the results are great today. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow, Terrell powerful, powerful conversation. I know that our listeners will value your wisdom and just you taking us through how to live as a champion, how to overcome self-doubt. And lastly, I think that last principle you just released about recalculating, sticking with it, coming back with the right energy and focus, that's going to be something that really sits well with all who listen and tune in. Terrell Tarver, Again, connect with Terrell. Head over to his website, terrelltarver.com. Wow. <laughs> you know, bring a bid, train with him if you need uh, training, public speaking if you're a military professional listening and you need just more one on one time, bring in Terrell. If you need coaching at the executive level, again, reach out to Terrell. He's available, but again, don't take his time for granted. You've got to work the schedule, work the systems, <laughs> use the forms. Um, but but he's very responsive. He'll get back to you as soon as he can, him and his team. So make sure that you share this episode with someone who needs it. You point people in the direction of Terrell Tarver's IG or Twitter or Facebook, and you just connect with him for leadership, but more importantly, servant leadership. Terrell, thank you again for agreeing to be on the show. Thank you for having me, Bernard. And I thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. And have a, a great rest of your Saturday. Thanks for waking up early for this as well. <laughs> no problem. No problem. All right. All right. Take care, Terrell. And I'll, I'll reach out soon. Okay. Thank you.